Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing our exploration of Sheikh Kandalvi's book, Sharia and Tariqa, Inseparability of the Two. Uh, we are now uh, on page 9, looking at the greatness of the companions. <clears throat> greatness of the companions, in the books of Hadith, one will find these kind of narrations in the chapters of criminal law, Hudud. Is anyone against us as pious and God-fearing as, is anyone amongst us as God- pious and God-fearing as the noble companions, who upon the commission of, uh, one, uh, uh, of one sin would become restless for retribution? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, so that's sort of the point we were discussing last time, right? They'll commit one sin and it makes them ret- restless to get it fixed. Mm-hmm even if it meant the cost of their own lives, right? So that's the level, uh, that's a level of iman to aspire to. So often when we speak of Islam, iman, ihsan, we speak of getting closer to Allah. And another way to frame the exact same point is that, okay, when you're committing a sin, you're committing a violation against Allah, even though you're the one who's the victim of your sin, okay? And, and even if I do a harm to someone else, I'm the actual victim, because that person on the day of judgment is going to be paid back. Right, so if I do harm someone else, I'm actually victimizing myself. I'm oppressing myself. And so the Sahaba understood thoroughly. Understood that thoroughly. So if they committed a sin, they became restless uh, to to straighten it. Now, naturally, we have cases of among the Sahabas. Again, usually their names are not given. Of people who who do not seem to be as as hardcore, right? But this is the general uh, sentiment about the Sahaba. And then how do you contrast that with, um, like, somebody does a sin and they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness and mm-hmm. then they kind of, like, not necessarily forget about the sin, but kind of like, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven me. Well, it should be, it should always be Allah has forgiven me, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Right? And and the point is that you should assume that you're forgiven so you don't start getting, you know, beaten down and give up. Mm-hmm. Right? And you should also not assume automatically that you're just so completely forgiven that you're invincible. Mm-hmm. Right? So those are, like, the two different extremes. Right, one is despair, and the other is the sentiment of being, in terms of iman, invincible. Right, and and another thing to always keep in mind is how serious does it feel in your heart? So this movie where we where we listen to all this bad language, right? Uh, there'll be a lot of people in our class who you know they think it's funny or not even notice. And the goal is every time you're hearing bad language, you should feel okay. This was something wrong. Okay, you should find it disturbing. And, and that's one of the key points. You should feel it, it hit your conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the knower of the unseen. He's aware of the oh, sin. Wait, uh, is, there's oh, yeah. Yeah. Sayyidina, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, When a believer, a mu'min, commits a sin, he feels as if he is under a mountain, and the mountain may fall upon him at any moment. Um, when a prolificate, yeah, fatir, yeah. or a fajir, yeah. uh, commits a sin, he makes light of it as if it. He makes light of it, as if a fly came to rest on his nose. He waves it off with his hand. Yeah, that sums it up, mm-hmm. right? How it should feel. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the problems, like when we were watching the movie and when we were looking at the, the radicals, they would identify some things as sins, but they had no problem doing other things, mm-hmm. right? They had no problem using bad word after bad word after bad word, and yet they're saying, "Okay, music is haram," mm-hmm. right? And what that is often indicating is that they actually don't feel anything wrong about it. The only thing they really feel is humiliation when it comes from other people. And so when we're taught about the khawarij, uh, we might have discussed this before, that you know, 
when they pray, you're going to feel like your prayers are worthless compared to their prayers. And, you know, they dress like us and, and such. And, but Iman goes through them just like an arrow going through a deer. And the point being that it just goes in and out and it just tears a whole bunch of things along the way. And that's what their Iman is. Their Iman actually, for lack of a better term, I'm calling it Iman, but their approach to, to religion is basically something very, very internally violent. Mm-hmm. Right? And in terms of being upright, yeah, if you do something wrong, if you hear something wrong, you should feel like, you know, what Abdullah ibn Masood is saying, like a mountain is on you, and it could fall over onto you any moment. Mm-hmm. And think about what else it's saying. It means you're carrying this huge burden that could even get worse and topple upon you. So you better do something about it quickly. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a sense of urgency there, too. Right? Or someone else will say, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it later. Or, you know, why is that bad? Yeah. Okay, continue. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the knower of the unseen. He is aware of the sins of mankind and of the remorse and guilt that is born from the perpetration of these sins. This is precisely why he was pleased with the companions or the Allah on him despite their sins, mentioning it repeatedly in the Quran. As for the first and foremost of the emigrants, Mujahideen, and the helpers, Ansar, and those who follow them in goodness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them, and they are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He has prepared for them gardens beneath which rivers flow, where they will live forever. Th- that is the supreme, supreme achievement. Okay, so that's, that's very straightforward, right? And so you have the Mahajirin and the Ansad who are at the top, and then those who follow them in what? In doing right. Be okay. ihsan. So ihsan is even uh, different. It's in excellence. Okay. And and the key is Allah is pleased with them. They are pleased with Allah. This is often a good du'a to make. You know, you know, you are. Oh Allah, please make me be pleased with you, and please be pleased with me. Right. You're seeking the rida of Allah. Right. And that's the real achievement. All the things you can obviously you know all the things you can accomplish in the dunya are all very good. Uh, but nothing is better than getting the pleasure of Allah. That is the ultimate of the ultimate. So when someone is doing an action, they might be doing an action uh, for, to avoid hell. That's a good reason. They might be doing an action to go to, to go to paradise. That's a good reason. But the best reason is the pleasure of Allah. Those other reasons are still good. <coughs> it says in Bayan al-Quran, with reference from so this is um, it's a Hanafi legal text, but yeah. Regarding and those who follow them in goodness, Ibn Zaid said, "This includes all the Muslims until the day of judgment who criti- who followed the Blessed Prophet with ihsan. This is why criticizing the companions or the Allah or the spiritual masters is useless because they repented and were forgiven by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Thus." Those who continue to criticize and chase after their faults after reading this ayah are forsaken people. Okay, so think about the wisdom of this. Uh, you're criticizing someone who's been forgiven by Allah. So you're not, be, you're not able to take them down. So you're actually hurting yourself, mm-hmm. right? Or another way to frame it is that if you're criticizing someone who's forgiven by Allah, what are you gaining? Okay. And what are you revealing about yourself? Right, and that's basically like sour grapes. Have we talked about sour grapes? The story of the fox and the grapes. 
This is one of Aesop's fables. He is, um, he sees some grapes hanging from a vine. Uh, do they grow in a vine or a tree? Vine, grapevine, yeah. And he's trying to jump up to reach them, and he can't. And he keeps jumping and jumping. He can't reach it. And so then he gives up and says, oh, those grapes are probably sour. So just to uh, calm his own self, or to give himself an excuse, he just says those grapes aren't any good. But the statement is actually about the fox, even though he's saying that they're, they're uh, sour. Okay. So how does this, like, uh, how does this ayah, this, like, interpretation relate for those, like, uh, the, the Shia scholars who kind of, like, this is, this is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Allah knows best, and this is why Sunnis get very, very repulsed when we find uh, Shias criticizing the Sahaba, uh, especially criticizing Omar and Abu Bakr, right? Because in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of Shia thought, uh, Omar and Abu Bakr are blamed for the, for the death of Fatima, radiallahu anha. And, and so, uh, in theory, they're acting out of love for Fatima, uh, but the language is often given as very fierce condemnation of of um, of, uh, of Omar and Abu Bakr. May I'll be pleased with him. And so, yeah, uh, you should find it repulsive, right? And and I mean, I know I know scholars who will who, you know, who can't even be in the same room, right? Um, a way that many Shias then criticize the Sunnis is to say that we don't give proper respect to Ali. Hassan Hussein and such, may I be pleased with them. To some degree, they are correct in the modern era. Yeah. In the modern era, a lot of times people get so conscious of making it clear that they're not Shias that they won't even quote Ali, may I be pleased with them, even though Ali is one of the closest of the closest of, 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 the, of the Sahabis, one of the greatest of all the Muslims. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes, you know, Sunnis in the modern era kind of go too far. In our history, um, in Sunni history, uh, love for the family of the Prophet peace was a very important thing. The Sahaba, you'd also have love for them in a different way, but the Sahaba were also the source for law and practice. And the family of the Prophet peace was included in that, but even the descendants further down the family of the Prophet um, are in traditional Sunni thought, are the people who should be given love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> in various ayahs of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the repentance of the companions the promise of their entry into paradise, etc. Therefore, it is foolhardy to make the mistake of criticizing the companions for their sins. But what is even more foolish is when we use their examples to justify our own sins, because forgiveness of, forgiveness of their sins is assured, while ours is not. Thus, those who use the sins of the companions to justify their own sins are calling for their own destruction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولكن الله حبب إليكم الإيمان وزينه في قلوبكم وكره إليكم الكفر والفسوق والعصيان أولئك هم الراشدون But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has endeared to you the faith and made it beautiful in your hearts and made detestable to you the belief and sins disbelief. And, oh, the, uh, the disbelief and sins and disobedience. Such people are rightly guided as a grace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as a blessing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing, all-wise. Mm-hmm. In Bayan al-Qur'an, Fusuq, sins, is translated as major sins, and Isyan, disobedience, as minor. This clear, clearly proves that the companions, radiallahu anhum, were forgiven for their major and minor sins. It also means that holding their sins against them and using their example to justify our own sins is dangerous to fit our faith. Yeah, I don't know what examples are given of this, um, but you do find uh, some Muslims who will be very critical of Uthman as the leader of, of the Muslims during which things fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and sometimes a person's language must be very, very careful, right? Um, it is one thing to take lessons from the Sahaba, right? So if the Sahaba had political conflict, um, then we will definitely have political conflict, right? Um, they had political conflict, yet they did not have theological conflict, meaning they agreed on matters of aqidah without even an issue. Uh, but on political issues, they were, they were, um, they were different. Uh, but if we start criticizing the Sahaba to, to almost, like here it's saying, justify our sins, uh, that's, that's really bad. But I don't know, uh, this is definitely referring to something that is beyond my knowledge in terms of what they're talking about people are doing. During the, <clears throat> during the campaign of the conquest of Mecca, Sayyidina uh, Haltub ibn Abi Balta' radiallahu anh, co- uh, quietly informed Quraysh of, of the Blessed Prophet sallallahu alayhi plan to attack Mecca in a, in a letter that was later intercepted. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anh, said to the Blessed Prophet sallallahu alayhi O Blessed Prophet sallallahu alayhi give me permission to behead him. The Blessed Prophet sallallahu replied, He is amongst the companions radiallahu anh, Anhum of the Battle of Badr. What do you know? Maybe Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said to the companions of uh, uh, companions anhum, of Badr, "You are forgiven. Go and do whatever you wish." Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, pretty intense. That uh, the people, the Sahabas who are in the Battle of Badr, are forgiven. So do whatever you wish, and so it may be that Hatib uh, ibn Abi Balta uh, is, you know, thought he was doing the right thing, right? meaning he did not get classified as a hypocrite. There are others, like Abdullah ibn Ubayi, who were classified as hypocrites, right? And even in their case, they were not executed. The Prophet peace wanted to say, well, you know, what, what can we say or what will people say about people who are kill, executing their own people, right? Um, and there, it is said, Allah knows best if it's true, that Abdullah ibn Ubay on his deathbed is asking, for Allah, asking the Prophet peace to pray for his forgiveness. And it is understood that the Prophet definitely did pray for his forgiveness, but he was told by Allah, you can pray 70 times or 60 times, it's not, he's not gonna be for, or they're not going to be forgiven. But the point is, um, this is also part of how we look at the Sahaba. And so there are classifications of the Sahaba, like Ahl al-Badr. And, and so those people are forgiven. Right. Um, so yeah, um, let's stop right here. Because this is also, you know, plenty of, of, of big stuff. So we'll continue next time, inshallah, with the belief of Ahl Sunnah uh, about the companions on, on page 11. Any questions or thoughts? Okay. Okay, and so, like I said, I mean, this book works very well as an Islam 101, you know, a real Islam 101. A lot of times Islam 101s focus on belief in actions, and they don't give proper attention to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and they definitely don't give proper attention to, to the Sahaba, mm-hmm. and this book is doing a fantastic job with that. Right, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk. Wa akhri da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.